My name is Van Johnson. I'm 67. Made up the city of Savannah. I'm pro go man. Let's go. That's all we need. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me, flip like me, drop them hot grits like me, hits like me, just like me. Nah. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me, flip like me, drop them hot grits like me, hits like me, just like me. Nah. Ain't nobody gonna do it like me, do it like me, make other rappers look stupid like me. Who could that be? Kevin Fleezy. All right, we're back for season four, episode sixty-one of the Hot Grits podcast. I'm Travis Jadon, joined with me today over the phone, a little throwback episode of HGP for you guys, is Spencer Maddox. We are recording this on Tuesday after the national championship basketball game between Gonzaga and Baylor. Spencer and I will talk about that, then give you guys a little Hawks watch. After that, Spencer's got to run, but then I'll take you guys through some Masters picks and some stuff with the Atlanta Braves as well. Spencer, that game last night, Gonzaga-Baylor, uh, a real ass-whooping and not that fun to watch. It was not fun to watch at all. And, uh, I mean, Gonzaga's star, star showed up, uh, but it seemed like pretty much nobody else did. Uh, Suggs and uh, – t- what, what's his name? I can never say his time. Tim, Timmy? Timmy. Tim, Timmy, whom I love. Uh, they played great. They played – or at least decent. Um, but it just seemed like nobody else even came to play. They shot 29% from three, pretty brutal. It, it, I mean, it was pretty much over. Looking back, it was over in five minutes to five minutes in. You know what I mean? Oh, they dude, never really threatened after that. It, it's one of, it was one of those games, like this happens in every sport sometimes. It's one of those games where like two minutes real time into the, into the game, you just looked around and like, whoa, one of these teams doesn't belong here. That's the way I felt, yeah. at least. Like, right away, I was like, Baylor's going to win this game. Not just because they got out 9 nothing, but it it didn't look like Gonzaga belonged. Uh, I'll ask you, Penny, is Gonzaga good? Um, Yeah, uh, I think we can pretty much put to bed the greatest team of all time. Thing, we were right? saying uh, that, it, I mean, like, 10 days ago. That's so crazy to think about. Yeah, uh, so if they had lost by maybe two points, maybe this is a heartbreaker, you could probably still make an argument maybe that they're one of the greatest teams of all For time. Sure. Uh, put, go ahead and put that to bed. I mean, that being said, it, it didn't look like uh, – this didn't look like a scheme loss to me. Like, I, Oh, no. Uh, we, we always make fun of uh, – we always make fun of, like, teams that – or people that say they wanted it more or, you know, what, whatever the case may be. But you saw, like – that guy had a firm argument for the game last night. You saw Baylor jumping on balls last night and just winning like fifty every 50-50 ball, it seemed like. The, the the little things that win a game, Baylor Baylor won that going away. You know what I mean? Um, and Gonzaga, to their credit, they fought back and got it down to 10, I think. Wasn't that right, 10 at the first half? They cut it to yeah, – yeah, they cut it to 10 and then at the half. And then about – Mm, uh, maybe with about 11 minutes to go in the second half, it was a nine-point margin. And, and the whole time, right. it was like Baylor would get up by 12 or 13. But then, like, give Gonzaga credit. It could, it really should have been, could have been, much uglier way earlier than it was. It ended up being pretty ugly in its own right, 86-70 to 70 final. But, boy, I mean, it could have been way worse if Gonzaga didn't make a bunch of one-on-one shots, a bunch of one-on-one plays. Yeah, I mean, I to to your original question, I think Gonzaga is still a very very good team. I think they are they probably, the second best team in the country. I think they're probably you run this game to seven games. I think Gonzaga probably ends up winning it. 
in seven. You know what I mean? Really? Like, I think. I see. I, I think, think you play that game ten times, teams, and Baylor would win nine. I I, I disagree wholeheartedly. But, I, I, there's, a, I mean, when you look at the game that Gonzaga just came off of, it almost seems like Baylor had the advantage just in terms of how much, how many minutes were played, the emotional, you know. Yeah, the emotional high of hitting that buzzer beater, all that. It, so it makes a lot of sense that Gonzaga would come out flat. And I've, I've watched Gonzaga play a a, a solid amount at this point. Yeah, and, me too. I mean, Jalen Suggs is the real. He was the best. He's the best player on the floor out of those two teams, in my opinion, uh, just talent wise. So they've got the best player. I think, I think over the long haul, Gonzaga would probably be a better team than Baylor. But it doesn't friggin' matter because they just lost the national. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just lost national championships, so that's done and dusted. I wanted to get your opinion on this, though, Travis. Okay. Uh, that that Final Four game, Gonzaga versus UCLA. Where does it rank in terms of endings? Uh, the the sub shot. Where does that rank in terms of greatest shots of all time tournament history? So now we're a few days removed from it. So now I think we can start actually asking that question. Now that we know the result in the national title yeah. game. Um, I mean, well, it shouldn't. That's the the result in the title game shouldn't matter for the one shot, though, right? But I think it, it But I think it will. I think it yeah. will. Like the miracle on ice. If USA doesn't go on to beat Finland in the gold medal game, then the miracle on ice becomes a little less. Like a little. Yeah. Less. I mean, it's still up there. You know what I mean? But now the or like if well, I mean that's hockey. You know. Well, but it's but it's the, it was the semifinals, just like UCLA and Gonzaga was semifinal. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm just, hockey it's, is not a it's thing. Well put, well put. So, but uh, I mean, I I couldn't tell you. I, I do know this because I'm a Duke fan. But Christian Leitner hitting that shot over Kentucky, I think that was Final Four, correct? That was either Final Four or Elite Eight. Um, I think it was Final Four. I think so too. I'm only like 75 percent sure that Duke won the title that year. You know what I mean? Like that, they did. That only matters to a point. the The shot is what really, really matters. And I thought it was just personally. I think it's the greatest shot that's ever happened in the Final Four. That's that's my take. What What do you think? Um, Leitner shot was in the Elite Eight, by the way. Uh, I I think yeah. For me, it's the best shot I've ever seen. But but, but when you say the word shot, the like games I, I've ever seen, I do think that NC State versus. Houston, five slamma jamma, that that tip in right. for Jim Valvano's team, right to win in the tournament. That it was about as good as as famous as it gets. You know, like the air ball three pointer, tipped in at the button. Yeah, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? But yeah, the sug yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sug yeah. shot was incredible. But here's the thing, man. Like looking back, who did Gonzaga beat in order to get to the spot that they were in? Like 31 and 0, they were beating the hell out of people, but. They beat an 11 seed UCLA at the buzzer in overtime on a True. basically half court heave to get there. They beat Iowa in the regular season, which was their claim to fame because Iowa was ranked high all season. But then Iowa turns around and how good were they? They got smoked by Oregon. So I, I don't know. Like the questions that were always there about Gonzaga kind of still are there, right? Yeah, I, I to a degree, but I mean, you also have to look at the NBA talent that's on the roster. That I mean, they're certified first rounders on that roster. So there's that. Um, I mean, strength of schedule plays into it a good bit, for sure. But 
I mean, there's a lot of blue bloods on that roster, and there's a lot of people that would be starting all over the country. So you, I mean, you can only say. I, I do. I will say this: there is a lot of. I, I give a lot of credit to the fact that Gonzaga hadn't gone through much. You know what I mean? They hadn't gone through much adversity, and Baylor was by far the best team that they had played. Whereas Baylor, Baylor had played some tougher, you know, tougher games. They had, I mean, they had the one loss or what was it, two losses this year. Yeah, twenty-eight so and two to finish. Yeah, so they they had at least seen an L this year. I think what did they lose to Kansas? Yeah, yeah, they lost to Kansas, yeah. and I'm not sure who the other team so was. They uh, they clearly had the, the tougher schedule, and they had battled a little bit more, and I think that showed up in this game. But honestly, I I, I really think the Gonzaga is the more talented squad. I don't I don't know how you feel about that. No, yeah, see, I think Baylor is much more talented than Gonzaga. Really? Like after last, I did not going into the game, but after last night, seeing some of those guys, and shout out to nine one two native. <laughs> Davion Mitchell, number 45, the point guard for Baylor. He was about as flawless as you could get last night. Mitchell, obviously, in the Final Four versus Houston, Spencer, 11 assists, no turnovers, became the first point guard since – or became the first player since 2003 to have double-digit assists and zero turnovers in a Final Four game. Uh, And he was – He was was fantastic. He was really good, dude, and I thought that – like immediately Suggs is an incredible player so he's gonna get his but he made it as difficult as I've ever seen Suggs have to get points I mean the the shots that he was making Davion Mitchell was still nearly every time playing good defense on those shots and I'm stoked to have someone from the 912 bring a natty back to Hinesville in the Hinesville area at least can we claim that now as a Georgia as a Georgia yeah. championship? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that tweet. I was fully on board with that. Okay, so Georgia I, has I won a national a, championship now, thanks to Davion Mitchell. Yeah, that's a dub. Now the now the Braves, the Hawks, the Falcons, they can get the monkey off their back. We got a natty. All right, I have one or two more things, Spencer, and I'll just like give my take and then let you react, and we'll just run through them quickly if that's cool from the natty. Shoot. But first, I don't even know if you know this. I'm going to tell the people about Coach's Corner and their brand new offer for our listeners 25% off your check if you tell them the hot grits podcast sent you go in eat eat and your server is it's for uh uh dine-in only coach's corner in savannah 3016 east victory drive tell your server the hot grits podcast sent you and then you'll get the discount 25% off your check if you tell them that the hot grits podcast sent you John Henderson, the owner, and those guys over there are doing big things. Rubbing and grubbing the NASCAR show. Uh, the AD, the coach in the AD, Carl Damasi, Chad Griffin, they're doing their things on Wednesday night and Saturday morning. So definitely check them out. And listen, 25% off, that ain't nothing to sneeze at. No, it's not. I mean, your wings become significantly cheaper, Spencer. Exactly. And I can run up a $100 tab at Coach's Corner and, like it's nothing. And then what would your what would your tab be if, uh, if it was 25% off? Uh, I'm no math major, but I believe that's $75. That is... Yeah, that's correct. That was my calculator doing the... Yeah, doing... quick math, quick math. <laughs> um, Spencer, on Twitter, on Facebook last night, I saw people saying that Baylor under Scott Drew was, quote, the greatest rebuild in the history of sport. Now, keep in mind, Scott Drew took over in 2003 from a program, Baylor, that had, look, no lie, they had about 
every NCAA infraction and penalty that you could have. And for good reason. They had actual death, murder, go on between two of their players. And it was an absolute shit show in Baylor. Man, has it been that long? 18 years. Can we call it the greatest rebuild in sports when it took 18 years? No. I mean... Unless they win like the next two or three, it's got to be like a uh, like they built a pyramid. You know what I mean? Like they just got the one, right? Have, have they won another one since then? No. No, this is it. Nineteen fifty yeah. was the last time that Baylor won a title. That's two. Um, now two. That's right. This was their first Final Four, right? I th- in a long time. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely since they expanded. I think they won a national championship in nineteen fifty, but I don't know how big the field was at that point. I don't know if it was like. I think you started with a Sweet 16. Well, I, yeah, I knew they had said that. I, I knew they won one in 1950 because you said it. Too. I meant this is their first Final Four since uh, since he's taken over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's then what a ridiculous thing to say. It's not the greatest rebuild of all time. Like, Yeah, and they were saying it's the greatest rebuild in sports. I, I would argue here's, it's not even the greatest we... rebuild in college sports, maybe not even the greatest rebuild in college basketball. That's a that's a big negative of the 24-hour news cycle, especially in sports, is that we speak in hyperbole so much. We're also we're always looking for the greatest thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, just let it be the thing. Let it be. They won the national title. That's awesome. Good for them. So now the state of that's Texas the has two. The state of Texas has two schools that have won national titles in basketball: Baylor and the great Texas Western squad uh, that the movie Glory Road was was made after. That's it. Not oh, that's right. Not the University of Texas. Not Texas A&M. Not Texas Tech. Not Houston. Pretty nuts, huh? Interesting. That is nuts. All right, one. I would have thought that Houston had one because they were they were a pretty dynastic squad back in the day. Me too. But they were nasty. Thanks to Jimmy Valvano in the club. Very true. Spencer, what'd you think? I thought the officiating was excellent. The worst thing about college basketball is. The ticky-tack fouls, the stoppage on, on both sides of the court every single time down, we get True. fouls, charges. For all the times that we complain about the officiating in big-time national championship games in college sports, not just basketball, last night, dude, I thought it was pretty flawless. I did, too. It, it, I, like, if did you're you not even noticing think the refs, yeah. that goes a long way. Exactly. Like, you I didn't, didn't even think about them. I, I didn't think about it at all, and... Uh, I mean, the the nature of the game, how it was so separated, makes that to where there's not like a lot of high leverage foul situations. Um, so that that helps out a lot. One thing I've noticed this entire tournament, man, get some replay in college basketball. It's brutal. I don't I don't know how many times I saw a ball. It, it mostly it's not it's not foul calls mostly. It's balls going off of players. And then there's no replay. There's no challenge, you know, like there is in the NBA now. It's almost archaic where a, a team just gets gifted a possession because we have no way of – it's just human error. Yeah. Uh, that That's like my only the, – the bad taste in my mouth. And I guess it's been so long since I've seen a March Madness tournament that it's just kind of jarring to see. Still in 2021, we can't get that figured out. Uh, if nothing else, bring replay to where we can establish possession. Let, leave the foul calls like as a uh, as a gray area. Like you, you know a foul when you see it. I'm fine with that. But if somebody touched the ball last and it goes out of bounds, give the other team the ball. Let's figure that out. And it's it's not hard to figure that out either. That's that should be a quick 15 second replay. We're back to it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I'm with you. Spencer's fresh take of the day. Yeah. Did you see halftime with Charles Barkley? I did. Man. Barkley went. Barkley went off. He did. He stole the. Uh, he stole the news cycle from from Baylor. Like from the Twitter from the national more... championship. Like he's. <laughs> that's how much he went off. Like he just. Yeah. Took all the headlines. What do you? I'm I'm curious to think of what you. I'm curious to hear what you thought about his take. I loved it. I did too. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I, mean, I have I, really I have friends that are on the left side of the political spectrum and and on the far right side. I have friends on both fars, and sadly, m- very few friends in the middle, which I would like to consider myself in the middle. But I don't know anyone that you've got one. You've got one friend that's not on the spectrum at all. I'm, you know, I'm off the radar. Yeah, you have you have you are on very few spectrums, my man, and that's yeah. that's what I love about you. Yeah, I want chaos. So I haven't talked to any of those friends that did not love what Barkley had to say. That did not like some of them. I like have it saved on my phone. And I just show them when I see them. Like, hey, did you see what Barkley said? I bet you'll love it. And it, liberals, Democrat, or Republicans, Democrats, everyone loved what Barkley had to say. Maybe a low key Barkley twenty twenty four ticket. Who knows? No chance. Barkley Portnoy twenty twenty four. Well, I mean, I could see uh, – I, I saw a few takes where uh, – uh, it was mostly a lot of people on the left where they were they were skewing it to say that Barkley, he was a, a traitor to his race. And I don't think that's what he was saying at all. It, uh, I, I think what he was trying to say is – you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm not, I'm not going to go. I, I will just say, that I, say it. Yeah. No, I, I just I loved what he had to say. I thought it was uh, what our politicians should have been saying all along for the past year and a half, instead of worrying about who they're who's going to get elected and what they can say to pander to what crowd. They should say something to actually bring people together. And uh, it was good to hear on national TV because you don't hear that type of thing anymore. Oh, you're damn right, you don't. And and look, when you're I've said this before, if you're one of the greatest players of all time in your sport. You sort of can do whatever the hell you want, and we have unless you're Paul Pierce. Now, now look, I wasn't going to bring Paul Pierce into this because you would say he's not one of the greatest players ever in the sport. I like what Paul Pierce did. He's a Hall of Famer. What are you talking about? I like what Paul Paul Pierce Pierce did. Good morning. Good morning, Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. If you did not see what he did, like we're not going to go through it on this podcast because Paul Pierce is the man, and it comes off. (laughs) It comes off not great for him. But I'm on Team I Paul Pierce. Awesome. He went Instagram live with a bunch of uh, dancers, shall we say? Uh, yeah. Maybe some substances in the air. It felt like it was a got, little hazy in the room. I got I got hooker vibes there, dude. I'm not gonna lie. Go off, Paul Pierce. Do you, man? You got a ring. You're in the Hall of Fame shortly. Uh, do you, man? I thought it was awesome. The truth, baby. Uh, um, Spencer, before we move on from college basketball, any thoughts on the North Carolina job? They hired assistant Hubert Davis almost immediately. I thought maybe wait till this week after Gonzaga, after all that shakes out and then go give Mark few an offer. He can't refuse. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, so they hired from their bench. Yeah. Hubert Davis. He's, um, uh, the former North Carolina player that was on, ESPN for a while on college game day with Jay Billis and then took over as an assistant like maybe four or five years ago. 
You would know him if, okay. you, if you Googled him, like if you saw his face, you would know Hubert Davis. Okay, so they, they do that because Roy Williams requested it, right? Like he, Of course, he said, Roy Williams did. was okay. not going to not okay whoever it was. I would assume. Okay. I would assume. So he's there for he's there for he gets a two year window. If it doesn't work out, they move on. They get a big name. They, I com- I completely agree. Yeah, uh, North Carolina is a. I mean, no matter what's happened to them in the past few years, they are still a top five brand in college basketball. I would I would argue they're the the number one brand in college basketball, and it's just waiting for a a coach like you you know like a big name to revitalize the recruiting because it's gotten a little stale there um yeah i would say it's the number two brand for sure definitely top three yeah i I would put i'd put kansas above them and then the next three in whatever order you want is you put kansas above them that's that's where basketball started no that's where indiana is where i was talking about national no no it didn't yes it did no yes no the guy was a professor at, at at Kansas. Well, we're gonna look this up know. and move on from that. I I, I don't I don't know where it actually started, but it, uh, Indiana was like you know backtracking. Where it what it is? I yeah. I put I put Kansas. Whatever order you want, Kansas, Carolina, Duke, UCLA, and Kentucky, Indiana, Kentucky. I was yeah. I was Indiana's got to be in there somewhere. I don't think Indiana's top five. Well, not anymore, but they have the only undefeated season in what the past fifty years. They do shout out, but only undefeated national champion. Yeah, I guess. There I guess go. there's been some lower level ones. All right, we'll move on from college basketball. What a great season! Like we slept on it early, but that that yeah. was one of the better tournaments. And the last maybe five or six games, the last couple of rounds were a really, really, really good product. I thought. Um, you ready? To, it was extremely good. You ready to get to some Thank hot God swatch? Thank God for that Gonzaga-UCLA game in the final oh, four. yeah. Otherwise, it, we would have slept walked through that last two rounds. It would have sucked. But that, that game, just icing on the cake for a good tournament. Yeah, I, I want to get to the Hawks, man. All right, let's, I'm excited. Let's, let's do it. Let's get to the Hawks. But first, I want to tell you guys about John Carr Real Estate. John Carr in Savannah, buying, selling, wheeling, dealing houses in Savannah. Savannah area, if you're interested in buying a house, call John Carr. If you're interested in selling one, call him. If you're just interested in learning about the market itself and how you can get started uh, you know, in real estate in this area, you need to call our guy. He's going to give you guys a special discount on listing fees. He's going to take off some money just because you're a Hot Grits podcast listener. So if you're even considering it, John Carr Real Estate, call him today at 912 228 0916 visit him on facebook john carr real estate and on instagram at john c192 john carr as well 912-228-0916 all right spencer the hawks are 26 and 24 currently sitting fourth in the eastern conference we're rolling baby they got memphis on wednesday night this week the bulls come into town on friday you last week had the Hawks at a. You actually had moved them down one after moving them all the way up to three. You had them at a four seed. I had them at a six seed ceiling. We promised to never change those, so I'll let you defend your Hawks seed ceiling watch this week. 
Correct. I'm going. I'm staying at four because I'm never changing. I haven't changed once this entire year. That's true. Um, I yeah. I, I think you can go back and listen that I have not changed my pick one time. Um, so listen, they they miss they miss a bunch of guys. I, I think it was John Collins, uh, Danilo Gallinari, Trey Young. There's there's a few more. DeAndre Hunter. They were missing all those guys for the game against the Pelicans, who were also extremely shorthanded. Um, they come away with a win there. They come up with a big win uh, at home against Golden State two nights ago. Um, things are looking up uh, yet again. And uh, I was down right after the Clippers lost. It felt like the season was over for whatever reason, just because it was such a such an ugly way to end a winning streak. But they've bounced back admirably. And honestly, it seems like they're starting to figure out how to win whenever Trey Young doesn't have 40 points. Um, which is really good because he did not have 40 points the other night against Golden State. I think he had 13 or something like that. Didn't yeah. play well at all, and the Hawks still beat what – I mean, and Golden State's kind of reeling now, but there's still Steph Curry on that team. There's Draymond Green on that. They're a good team. A, an above 500 team, they'll probably finish above 500. And I mean, I, I'm I'm happy where the Hawks are development-wise. I'd uh, – I'd like to see them take the step and start beating the shit out of some people because they have the the talent on that roster to do it. But they, you know, they make me they make me sweat out all the wins, which is fine. At least it keeps me tuned in. What's your Hawks ceiling, man? Yeah, I think they're playing better. Clearly, playing better under Nick McMillan, right? Like the sample size. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. The sample size has gotten big enough where it's not just. I, I mean, you figure when they make the change, they play better for at least a week. Like that. That's yeah. sort of to be expected. You would hope. Um, but, but I think now there's sustainable stuff. And look, I've changed my tune on that entire situation completely, Spencer. I do believe that Nate McMillan should be the man for the job moving forward in the future if he can get this team moving in the right direction, if he can secure a four or five seed in the playoffs, if he can maybe win a playoff series. I think then he becomes not only a candidate, right? He would be the front runner right. for the job. You don't think... Um, I would say it's about it's about a coin flip right now whether he's the leader or the field is i think it's like roughly 50 right right but now he has the like i think he's the only one of like the field cannot cannot improve their chances over the second half of the season but but very McMillan can so I, yeah is there any shot before i give my seed ceiling update um is there any shot that McMillan is named the head coach non-interim during the season do nope. they give him that vote would, of confidence? I would lean no, like very, very hard no. Um, just because that's not traditionally how the Hawks have done. Things. I mean, that would mean yeah, that would um, mean not interviewing anybody, obviously. Yeah, so they they like to keep their options open. They like to explore every possibility. Uh, that's not how Travis Schlink has done things in the past. Um, I mean, even going into this year, they didn't extend Lloyd Pierce's deal for even a year, which, which I mean, they still could have gotten rid of him. You know what I mean? They could have given him that vote of confidence and then fired him midseason if they wanted to, but they didn't do that. So I, there's no, there's no real reason to extend Nate McMillan. Um, it's not like he's going to start losing games because he doesn't have a deal. This, you know, that's just not how things work. Um, incentivize him to play, to, to get his best matchup out there, and, you know, keep some fire under his seat because it's working so far. I don't, I don't think there's any chance they do that. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, my Hawks ceiling update will remain at 
six. You're a hater, dude. I think it's a six seed ceiling. You're sleeping. I think it's a six seed ceiling, and I think that's good. Okay. Let me let me pull up these uh these standings real quick. That's good. They're in fourth. I know I know they're in fourth, but I wanna I wanna talk about the teams that are surrounding them. There's Charlotte. No, there's... you want to talk about teams in front of them. No, the teams in front of them are the Bucks, the 76ers, and the Nets, whom no one is catching. So the Heat are tied with the Hawks at 26 and 24. Um, the Hawks have the, the tiebreaker there somehow. I'm not sure. Then right behind, they're followed closely behind by the Hornets, the Celtics, the Knicks, and the Pacers. All those teams are grouped together pretty closely. The Correct. Pacers are 22 and 26. Correct. So that's okay. four teams. Hornets, Celtics, not in this order. Hornets, Celtics, Heat, Knicks. I think two of those okay. teams finish higher than the Hawks. Which ones? You know which ones. The Heat and the Celtics. Of course. But they haven't played like that at all. No, not yet. But what? but they're still they haven't played like that at all, and they're and they're one game back from the Hawks. Yeah. What have the Hawks played like? The the Hawks have not played up to their potential. They've, they've maxed just out. Get on. <laughs> now I'll say this: dude. if Bruno gets run. I wouldn't say oh, that. Okay. I wouldn't say that. Okay. If Bruno Fernando okay. ever got any Tripping. run on the court, I wouldn't say that. And the Hawks get their second best player back next week. You know what, dude? Me and Hawks. Who's play, that? We don't... Who's that? DeAndre Hunter. Maybe third best player. He's back next week. He's coming back sometime next Boy, week. Boy, Bogdanovich has been pretty good, huh? He's been lighting it up, dude. I mean, he's been lighting really good. it up. And I mean, it's he's coming around at the right time too. I'd almost given up on him. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, him and Danilo Gallinari, they both started off so slow. Danilo Gallinari looked like he was about 50 years yeah, old. Yeah, I think maybe or, they really just weren't that healthy. I, I think so too, and it's good to see, man. And I, I, I did want to talk about this though, Trav. Uh, speaking about that, um, I, I wanted to talk about Trey Young, but quickly before I get off, I wanted to talk about Trey Young getting ranked by ESPN. It's on Twitter. It set Twitter ablaze. He was ranked 16th in a ranking of players under 25 years old. Any comment on that? Any anything you'd like to say? 16th. 16th out of for players that are under the age of 25. Under the age of 25, an absolutely absurd list. It included players such as Shai Gilders Alexander. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, which I they mean, have Shea Gilgis Alexander above Trey Young, way above him. Okay, give me give me eight? some guys that are, do you have the list with you? I'm I'm pulling it up right now on Twitter. All right, yeah, pull it I'm up and, and pull because I'm interested to see who are the guys that are 11 through 15, and then who are the they had go ahead. They had players like uh, Michael Porter Jr. ahead of Trey Young. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> not good. No, it's, I mean, it's just ridiculous. The top's a Darren Fox. Okay, so let's just go one through 10 because this is what I have here. But the thing is, I'm probably going to agree with one through 10. Like, I would, no, I would not. put Trey I, Young, I, I, I would put Trey Young around eight to 12. You're, you're, you're almost certainly not going to agree with one through 10. Okay. So here we go. Luka Doncic, one. I mean, no that's, problem. That's go fine. Ahead. Every, everybody agrees with that. Zion Williamson, two. No problem. Lamelo Ball at three after a half of season, at three. I wouldn't rank him that high. I would rank him at or near Trey Young. It's just absurd. He's not a better player than Trey Young yet. He's just not. Donovan Mitchell at four. 
No problem. Jason Tatum at five. No problem. De'Aaron Fox at six. I'm okay. Now let's talk about this. I'm one. okay with that. You're okay with De'Aaron Fox at six. I'm okay with that. Have you seen De'Aaron Fox play basketball? Yeah. Have you seen a lot of it? A good bit of it. He's been my point guard okay. on my dynasty team for three years. I'm not convinced that De'Aaron Fox can be the best player on a playoff team. Um, on a good playoff team. I'm not I'm either, not and, but you know what I am convinced of is that Trey Young cannot be because he's never been. He's well on his way to being Maybe. That. He's in the fourth seed. All right, Shy Gildress Alexander at 10. Yeah, that's a problem for me. That's a problem. How about Ben Simmons at seven? Somebody who literally cannot shoot the basketball. Uh, at or near Trey Young. At or near Trey Young? Fine with that. Not seven. No. And you know what? It, it, there, there's no, there has been four players in the NBA that have averaged over 28 points a game and over eight assists in, at their age 21 season. Okay. Trey Young is one of those players. Luka Doncic is another. It's absurd not to have him in the top 10. He, honest to God, should probably be in the top 10. So who, who is above him? Right? Do you, does it keep going? Like who is above him 11 through 15? Uh, th- that was that's all the list I could find right there. I think it's behind a paywall. That um, I, I saw. I, I think it's on ESPN Plus. Is so I'm not, I can't pull that up. But the the biggest names that the people were the most mad about were Shy Gilders, Alexander. Uh, you know, guys like that. It, it, it it's just absurd, and he gets a lot of hate because he's so tiny, and they lost a billion games in his first two years. But to not give him the respect he deserves this year is just unfair. And I mean. It goes his play style. I get is jarring to the eye. He takes a lot of bad shots, but I mean, you got to give the guy credit when it's due. You know what I mean? And they're they're in the fourth seed. He's clearly the best player. He plays every night. He's he was hurt the other night at Golden State, and everybody could see it. He was limping around, and he's still out there trying to win ball games. And what else do you want from your superstar? You don't you don't see that ever in the NBA anymore. If if a guy's hurt, he takes a day off. That's it. Not Trey Young. So, I mean, give the guys props. Yeah. No, That's all I I'm mean, screaming. I'm starting to see, yeah, this year, the stuff you were talking about before the season, the the, the sleepage on Trey Young. I'm starting to see Oh, that. it's so real, man. It, and it's because it's in Atlanta. But look, Nobody he can help himself. Shit I mean, about he can help himself, uh, you know, by making the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he, and if they win the first round, if they win their first round matchup, you're going to see people start to respect him a little bit more. And it's... Well deserved, for in my opinion. For reference, uh, De'Aaron Fox twenty four point nine points per game this year. Trey Young twenty five point two, so that's pretty much the same. Uh, Trey Young nine assists a game. Um, De'Aaron Fox seven point nine. So they they are like about as similar statistically as you can get. Yeah, uh, and Trey Young's a better shooter. All right, man. What else you got? Anything else before we wrap up? That's that's it for me, man. All right, here's what we're going to do. We are going to take a quick break, check the ads. Spencer's going to hop off, and then I'm going to tell you guys about the Braves and the Masters. Spencer, quickly before we go, you never gave us your uh, World Series picks. You want to just shout them out at the top of your head? Um, I'm going to go Braves for the for the home team because I put in that Phillies bet. National League um, Braves. Yankees. Braves, Yankees. Just off top. Who's the winner? Yeah. Let's go Braves in four. Sweep them. The sweep. All right. How do they find you Get on Twitter, my dude? Uh, they follow me on Twitter at Spencer Maddox. 
Don't forget that underscore though at Spencer Maddox underscore. I almost forgot the underscore. And Instagram the Hot Grits. Twitter for me at Jordan Sports for the show. Yes, sir. For the show, it's at Podcast Grits. Season four, well underway now. Thank you guys. We'll we will now talk about the Masters and the Braves and the All Star Game leaving Atlanta inexplicably. So thank you guys. We'll see you guys on the second half. Stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. Peace. Hey, Spencer, can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. If your tooth is hurting, who do you call? What profession do you call? I think that'd be the dentist. You call the dentist, right? You don't pull your own tooth. No. If you have a problem with anything in your house, right. you need some home improvement stuff, you don't do it yourself. You no, call, absolutely you, not. Who would you call? Uh, I'm not sure, but I think you're about to tell me. I think I'd call Bewley Oaks Home Improvement in Savannah. That's B-E-A-U-L-I-E-U. Bewley Oaks Home Improvement in Savannah is your spot for anything home improvement. Inside your house, outside your house, on top of your house, below your house. Tony at Bewley Oaks is your guy. Call him 912 912- 667-5235, 912-667-5235. Call Tony and tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you. Okay, welcome now to the second half of episode 61 of the Hot Grits podcast. Just me on the second half, just Travis, rolling solo. But we got a few things that I want to talk to you guys about. Before we let you go into this week, Masters Week, we're going to talk about that. Um, at the end of the show, I'm going to give you guys my picks for the weekend and a few things to watch as the players ascend on Augusta National. Um, but first, I want to tell you guys about the Braves and sort of my thoughts on their start. They are 0-4 to start, got swept in Philadelphia, um, and then lost a heartbreaker 6-5 to to Max Scherzer and the Washington Nationals. So 0-4 start for the Braves. They are four games back of the Phillies in the National League East. All of last season, the Braves. Now, 60-game season, shortened season, I get that. The Braves were never further than two games back of the divisional leader last season. Now, four games into the season, they are 0-4 and four games back from the Phillies. So definitely a rough start. We'll talk about that. But first, let me tell you guys about Prep Sports Report. PrepSportsReport.com is our new sponsor on the Hot Grits podcast. And let me tell you guys a little bit about PSR. The Prep Sports Report has been delivering local sports coverage for more than 20 years in this area. And they continue to celebrate youth athletes in the coastal empire to this day. The Prep Sports Report gives you daily updates on the many outstanding student athletes in our area. They've got news stories every day about teams and athletes in every sport, the athletes you care about. Savannah High School Athletes. Led by local sports legend, our guy, Carl Damasi, the Prep Sports Report gives fans and parents what they want, positive stories celebrating the athletes, coaches, and supporters who are making a difference in Coastal Empire High School sports. Here's what you want to do. Visit PrepSportsReport.com and find the Prep Sports Report on Facebook. Follow them on Twitter at PrepSAV, at PrepSAV. Go ahead and follow them on Instagram too, but check out PrepSportsReport.com. You won't ever need to sign up for anything. No subscriptions, no money, no anything to read any of these stories. It's just sports coverage in Savannah, free of charge with no ads or anything like that. It's one of a kind. 
So go like the Prep Sports Report on Facebook as well as following them on Twitter and at PrepSAV. You got to love it, as Carl Damasi would say. All right, so Braves, bad start to the season. Bad start to the season. 0-4, it's important to remember, as baseball guy would always say, it's early, it's early, it's early. You can say that till June, it's early. But clearly this team is not going to have the same formula that it had last year. Like They're losing these games. They're losing these close games early in the season because they don't have that dominant bullpen that they leaned on so much last year. Now, maybe the starters are better. I think that's clearly true. Max Fried, eh, solid outing his first time out. Ian Anderson, solid outing first time out. Now, Drew Smiley, solid outing first time out. Charlie Morton was pretty good, really good through four uh, against the Phillies, but then kind of faltered. So the starting pitching has been better than it was last year. It couldn't have gotten worse. They were the worst in the National League, the worst in all of baseball last year in team ERA or in starters ERA. So that's better, but at that cost, that costs you the bullpen. And the bullpen that was so rock solid last year, the best in baseball, has now blown two games already. Chris Martin's hurt. Uh, the Braves just traded Chad Sabatka and Philip Weigel to the Brewers for Orlando Arcia, a, a shortstop. So they traded two more relievers in depth at AAA to shore up the middle infield. But but the I think it's clear already. You can't make a lot of assumptions through four games, but it's clear as day. The Braves don't have the bullpen to be winning the one-run games at a clip that they were the last couple of years. So if you're going to go by way of offense and starters, you cannot be playing a lot of these one-run games. I don't imagine the Braves are going to have a winning record in one-run games this season. I mean, I don't know if that's going out on a limb or not, but I don't see that happening at all. And I, I, I don't know if the Braves just got off to a bad start because they ran into great pitching in Philadelphia or, or what. But... When you score the way they did Tuesday off of Max Scherzer, you got to win those games. You have to win those games. They got off to a really good start and then blew it down the stretch, lost 6-5. to five. So that's another one-run loss. Uh, it's tough. They're going to have the Washington Nationals the rest of this series, a doubleheader on Wednesday, and then they will welcome in the Phillies to Truist Park in Atlanta uh, for their home opener. So uh, long way to go. Long way to go. It's a long season. But really, really a bad start for the Braves. Okay, now I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Savannah Adult Baseball League. The Savannah Adult Baseball League is your only place to play legitimate baseball in Savannah. They had two leagues for 18 and over and 33 and over. And you can find them online, www.savmabl.com. Or on Facebook, Savannah Adult Baseball League. They started their spring season on February 28th, but they will have a wood bat fall season, and you can play at some of the best fields in Savannah. Quality baseball fields, quality baseball in an organized league. Savannah Adult Baseball League. Find them on Facebook or savmabl.com. If you sign up, tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you. Okay, to Truist Park in Atlanta. Uh, the Braves will go back there, back home this weekend. But that stadium and that city have been in the news a lot of late. And I don't think it's any secret to anyone listening to this or anyone that hasn't been under a rock 
that some moves were made by Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game scheduled to be in Atlanta this year to now it's moved to Denver. Denver, Colorado, and Coors Field because Major League Baseball did not want to do business in the state of Georgia after a voting rights law was passed. Now, look, Hogress Podcast has been your source for politics. We were the national election headquarters, obviously, but I don't want to get into that part of it, and that's twofold. A, you don't come here to listen to my takes on voting rights laws, and B, I don't think I'm qualified to be talking about it. I know the basis of the law, the base bullet points of the law, if you will, but that's the extent to which I know it. Excuse me. So I think those two points right there, that's the reason why I don't want to talk about the politics of it. Is it right or wrong that that law was passed? Not going to go there because I don't know. Here's what I do know is that most players in baseball – could, could say those same exact two points. A, nobody cares what you think about the Georgia voting rights law. And B, you don't know enough about it to be qualified to talk about it. We didn't hear a bunch of players coming out clamoring that they wanted the All-Star game to be moved. Sure, you see some. There's some in headlines, some former players. And that's fine. That's their right. And that's what they believe because that's what they're passionate about. But that wasn't the overwhelming sentiment at all. Certainly not within the Braves dugout. Certainly not within the Atlanta Braves higher-ups. You saw the statement that the Braves responded that they were very disappointed and that they will continue to ensure that voting is, is a right for all Americans and all this stuff. But the Braves were, were not happy about it. It was not their decision to move the All-Star game. Certainly the governor of Georgia not happy about it. Uh, nobody wins in this situation. Nobody gains anything. Nothing. There are no winners. The law does not get repealed. Delta and Coca-Cola and all those giant companies are not leaving Georgia. So the only losers in the law when the law was passed was Georgia citizens. The only losers when the All-Star game was moved were Georgia citizens. We're the only ones that have to pay for all this. We didn't pass the law. We didn't do that. The state legislator passes it. So why on earth are we the ones being punished for? Why is the state of Georgia, who built a brand new ballpark in Cobb County, who did what Major League Baseball told it to do if it wanted to host events like the All-Star game? And now it's being moved to Coors Field, a stadium that was built in 1995 in Denver? Doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me, and it was a bad move. And I I think you could say it was a bad move, but hell, what's Rob Manfred certainly isn't going to see any money lost out of his wallet. He was backed into a corner, and he made the easy choice. He made the easy choice. He did basically what he was being told to do by social media, by activists, by people who didn't like the law. They didn't like something, and they wanted somebody else to do something that would show that they agree with them. I don't like this law, and you shouldn't like it either. You know what you should do is move your all-star game out of this state 
so they know that I don't like their law. It's unbelievable. It, it, it really was shocking to me that it was that easy to move something that a city and state cared so much about. The people that were hurt are not necessarily the people that pushed that law through. The ones that pissed you off to begin with. It was us. It was the people that didn't care that paid the price for it. Sad. Leave baseball out of it. Take the other sports. But good news for the state of Georgia is the Masters is this weekend. And I could not be more excited. I am pumped to see golf back at Augusta National. Patrons back at Augusta National. I think limited patrons back at Augusta National. And there's a loaded field coming in. Unfortunately for all of us, the big cat, Tiger Woods, is not in the field for obvious reasons. So that will be, I think, a bullet point the whole weekend. I think that will be something that's obviously talked about a lot. Will Tiger ever play at the Masters again? Uh, who knows? He certainly won't be there. He certainly won't be there this weekend. Uh, my favorites for the weekend are my favorite betting favorites. Let's, let's do that, actually. The favorites outright are Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, and Justin Thomas. They're all between 8-1, and 10-1, and one, and 11-1. and one. So that group of five right there, DJ, Spieth, Rahm, DeChambeau, JT, I'll take that group of five versus the field any day of the week. Again, I don't know if that's going out on a limb or not, but I'll take that five versus the field for sure. Some of my betting favorites this week, I like Cam Smith, 39-1. to The Australian has been playing really well, and he's played well at Augusta in the past. How about our guy, Savannah native, Brian Harmon? He'll tee off at 9 a.m. Thursday morning in Augusta for his third time ever playing in the Masters. He is going off, folks, at 120-1. to This is a man that made the semifinals in match play his last time out. A couple top 10s so far this season. I think four top 25s. Playing really, really well, and he's a lefty. Five lefties in the field this year. Lefties historically have played well. Mike Weir has won the Masters before lefty. Phil Mickelson, obviously, lefty. Bubba Watson, lefty, has won before. 120 to 1, pretty good odds to lay a dime on Brian Harmon. I think I might just do that for the Savannah Christian graduate. 9 a.m. Thursday morning for Brian Harmon. I like Abraham Answer, 95 to 1. He's played well. He's got kind of that tough and grit to him that I like, and I, I'm pretty sure answers a lock to make the cut. He's the kind of guy that doesn't tend to make a lot of big mistakes. Matty Fitzpatrick at 46-1 to 1 is also, I think, a good choice for those gambling folk out there. Uh, my pick to win the Masters outright. My pick, not my betting pick. My pick to win the Masters is Justin Thomas. That's not really going out on a limb for sure because he's 11-1 to 1 right now, one of the best players in the world, former major winner. But he, if you look at the stats at Augusta National the last three years, Justin Thomas is all over the place in top threes. Fairways hit in regulation, top three. Greens hit in regulation, he's first over the last three years in the amount of greens he's hit in regulation. Strokes gained putting, he's top three. So that, to me, tells me that Justin Thomas is ready to win a Masters, but can he put four rounds together? I'm interested to see what Bryson DeChambeau does. Um, I'm interested for sure in that storyline. Spieth, Jordan Spieth, another crazy storyline. He comes off of a Valera Texas Open win um, in his home state. 
and then heads east to Augusta to try to really complete a comeback that I don't know that a lot of people thought was coming. We're not talking about a Tiger Woods type comeback here, but still a comeback nonetheless. Jordan Spieth will obviously be making a lot of headlines in this one. Um, all right, that's it for me. I want to tell you guys to check out the 19th hole with the Herb Brothers. Uh, they will be going live on Coach's Corner Facebook uh, all this week, talking about the Masters and talking about golf and whatever else those crazy SOBs come up with. Those guys are fun to watch. The 19th hole on YouTube, go subscribe to their channel. I'm telling you, if you like the High Grits podcast, you will enjoy listening to those guys. And when you go, if you go watch them live, um, every night at 6 p.m., tell Coach's Corner, tell your server that the Hot Grits Podcast sent you, and you'll get 25% off your check. 25% off your check if you go to Coach's Corner and tell them the Hot Grits Podcast sent you. All right, thank you guys for listening to Episode 61. Season 4, we're probably just going to go once a week, but we'll still have interviews. We'll still have a bunch of stuff coming up. Hopefully next week we'll have some Masters reaction, maybe an interview, um, and some more stuff, obviously, about the Braves as we track them after starting 0-4 hopefully this time next week we'll be talking about a better Atlanta Braves team until next time thank you guys so much for sticking with us through 61 episodes we will see you on episode 62